Hello and welcome to Gifts of the Weird. I'm John, your host, and I am really happy to have with me Maura Dorkin. She is a Friggs woman, an ordained God person, and the regional steward for De- Delaware, Maryland, and D.C. for the Troth. And she is a witch in the Assembly of the Sacred Wheel tradition. Her spiritual work is deeply informed by her connection to deity, ancestors, and wheel-working wits, and is deeply rooted in both her spiritual traditions. She is also a children's book author, a poet, a teacher, and birth and postpartum doula. She lives with her amazing husband, Patrick, the youngest contingent of her nine children, a trio of spoiled felines, aren't they all, <laughs> and four pet chickens near the beautiful Brandywine River Valley of Northern Delaware. Maura, welcome to Gifts of the Weird, and thanks for joining me to talk about Frigg. Thank you, John. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, this is really great because uh, I kind of think that Frigg, uh, although a lot of people know her and work with her and at times in their lives or in times of their practices, it doesn't seem like she gets a lot of uh, outward attention. It seems like Freya is the one who most people are like I'm a Freya's woman or um, Freya you hear about a lot in modern pop culture and so I was really excited when you released a Frigg book and and not only about Frigg but also about her companions commonly called handmaidens and we'll talk about that a little bit later won't we (laughs) oh indeed we shall (laughs) that's great so uh Maura, why don't you tell us a little bit first, introduce us to yourself. Oh, we got that really cool uh, short brief intro, but uh, how did you come to uh, heathenry and how did Frigg make herself known to you? What, what has been your path as you came along uh, to this place? Well, I think I think like a lot of people um, uh, coming out of, I was obviously with nine kids at some point, I had to be pretty Catholic and I was for a really <laughs> long time and even a Sunday school teacher and all of that stuff. But as a writer, I was writing a a lot of um, fantasy and fiction uh, in the early 2000s, and a couple of my stories wound up involving very heavily the the uh, Norse pantheon and at, I, I wrote a lot I mean there was like a two two online novels and out of that I, I got of course Odin he, he he's not a shy fella and I sort of got tapped by him uh, in the writing as I wrote more and more about him and did more and more research and that sort of was my path is that as I wrote I had to research and you know we got into the Viking lady pages and then you know started reading the Eddas and started reading um, the mythology in depth. I had some mythology from Delaire's as a kid. Obviously, most of us got some introduction through the Delaire's North Mythology, which is a fabulous book to start with. But I, I, more and more and more, one step led to another. And of course, Freya was sort of next. She's a rather loud and proud um, deity. I wrote about her and I realized that, you know, she was not quite where I was at. I do have a shrine to Freya and I, I, I definitely honor her. But in my own walk and path as a witch and as a, a God's person with my particular skill set and background, Freak sort of very quietly walked in, but powerfully. And I realized, ah, here's my full truer. Here's my fully trusted one. This is the person, this is the being whose energy I feel most comfortable with, whose friendship and communication I feel was on a wavelength. I felt totally at ease um, aspecting in, in my other tradition, the Assembly of the Sacred Real tradition. Um, we have a form of drawing down called aspecting. And in other words, I guess in that situation, I am in the passenger seat. She is at the wheel, but I can grab the wheel. I'm not in the trunk and I'm not in the back seat. 
So I felt totally at ease with her coming into me in that fashion. And I have never felt anything but calmness and focus and compassion and a droll sort of dry humor when when we are in that situation together. So for me, the more I got into heathenry, um, and I was pretty much a Northern tradition pagan to begin with, even within the assembly tradition, but the more I got into heathenry and the more I, I studied and did the lore program and all the different things one does with the troth, the more I got drawn into her power and her her incredible ability in this day and age to be that keep calm and and let's do these things together. Let us work together. Mm-hmm. There's nothing um, about her that is, I don't consider her flashy. She's not the kind of grab you and shake you to your teeth rattle. But she's there. She's the kind who might put her hands on your shoulders and be like, "It's okay. This is where this is." There's that assurance, uh, that calm assurance that she can give. And I think my path to her probably got really, really strong somewhere around, I would say, ten years ago within that that time period. And it was really as I worked on things that I felt that she was leading me forward, even though I work with Odin and. Um, you know, certainly doing Diana's taking, we did taking up the runes for two years with a study group. But she was the one who was sort of encouraging me along that path all that time. And as we know, the more you walk the path, the deeper you get into it. Um, she was the one who sort of was like, well, you know, you've you've done the lore, the lore program for two years. You're, you, you should really uh, maybe consider doing the, the God's Person program. So we did, and um, or I did, I should say. And then, then the inspiration came to, to do the book after doing many, many free bloats and mother nights and different things uh, within the community. And it, I, I just believe it's, it's taken me deeper and deeper into her incredible aspects and also to the realm of her, um, if you want to say board of directors, if you don't want to say handmaidens, which is a very fraught term as we discussed. Yeah, I think it definitely took me down that path. and writing the book and working through the book and aspecting all of her um, handmaids as well has just made me realize what an incredible amount she has to offer folk in this day and age. That's an amazing story, an amazing way that she touched touched you and kind of reached out to you to get your attention and to kind of guide you gently or guide you with a little bit stronger, like you said, hands yeah. on the shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's a stiff upper lip sort of thing. But yeah, no, she's been, she's a lovely, I think that her energy is basically lovely and, and pretty no nonsense. And she, there are things she expects and, and certainly um, in her aspects, it's quite obvious, but there's other things about her that may not be so obvious to people now when we think of her different aspects, um, mm-hmm. the different ways that we can associate with her, which I guess we'll get into as we just have this discussion. I think a lot of people, let, let's talk a little bit about Frigg. You have a really great chapter about the lore and uh, your personal experiences with her and experiences of other folks that have, you know, kind of come along with, to some similar conclusions. But I, I think that in a lot of ways, when, when you hear people casually talk about Frigg, it's just generally, she's a hearth goddess. <laughs> I'm certain that's part of who she is. Yes. It, it kind of seems like that's all sometimes, not every or not all the time, but a lot of times in my experiences that people just kind of think of her only as being at home and, you know, um, as a hearth goddess. So 
Uh, we could talk about that later, but definitely, John, I mean, that's one of the most beautiful ways we can honor her is by being good homemakers. And I do a whole section on that in the book about what that means. We're all homemakers. It's not, yes. this is a gender neutral thing nowadays. Absolutely. Um, so what are some other aspects about her that maybe some folks are might be surprised or not quite aware of, or maybe they haven't heard of? Oh, oh no. Well, let's think about her in a couple different ways. Well, when we think about a mother is obviously one that we would find very, very much within her realm. She's called all mother. And we think of motherhood um, both as you might use the Maya Angelou quote, you know, the my mother is the climbing, falling colors of a rainbow, the perfect power of a hurricane. That's the motherhood with a big M. And mm -hmm. that, of course, as, as the goddess is part of who she is. Uh, she's got the runic energy of Birkenau and um, that growth, protection, rebirth energy is part of who she is. But there is also so a mundane side to her, we see it in the lure. She's a stepmother. She's a foster mother. You know, she's a grieving mother of her own child. Um, she's many, many um, types of a mother that we can all relate to today. If you're a parent or a guardian or anything, anyone who's, you know, worked with um, uh, younger people in any capacity, her energy's open to you. She understands what it's to be a foster parent. She understands what it's like to have that paradox between milestones and happiness and frustrations and just plain mess. She gets it. And I think that one of the lessons I've learned from her that's a very, very practical, down-to-earth thing is mothering is a verb. It's a verb. It's a way of being that transcends biology. And it relates to how we create a loving bond with other people, not just children. Mm -hmm. But mothering is just how do we create a loving bond that's woven from physical, emotional care, nurturing? How is it, even with other adults, when, do we know when to let go and to let them learn from their mistakes, whether they're children mm -hmm. or adults who we're working with, who are taking through a crisis or whatever it is? So I think that's part of who she is and that hope that we'll become individuals ourselves who are strong and whole, just as she's, you know, we, we're mothering, she's mothering us. And I think that that's part of it. And we have to have compassion for ourselves. That's been one of the big messages I've gotten from her. We need to accept ourselves. And, and in that aspect, you see Loven in her. There's actually um, a friend of mine actually brought this up the other day, and I never thought of Loven in this terms, and now it's part of my devotions. One of the things that's forbidden us in this society, really, and I'm not talking about narcissistic love, I'm talking about true acceptance and love of self is not something we are encouraged to do in our society. That's a forbidden love. Mm -hmm. And that's something that she's pushing us for. She wants us to accept ourselves and love. And we can call upon Siofin as well for that, because that's part of the her lady's job is to focus on that, to put a spotlight on that. So there's that. There's um, in, in the mother aspect, you know, she's the lady of consolation. She's called clean, which which is also one of her her ladies. But um, the work of consolation and refuge, she understands grief, and that's something we can turn to her or clean or air for healing. Again, handmaids. So I think one of the questions we have to ask ourselves and that she has put to me is what adjectives would I use when I use the word mother as a verb when I'm dealing with other people, adults or children? And I think that's important. Another thing I think that people don't really think about when it comes to her is 
the whole um, aspect of what it really means to be a queen and how that relates to us. Because that's the scariest part of Freak, I think, is that, well, she's a queen. What does that mean? She's, she's, the, she's called the Queen of Asgard. And that's important. If you think of a coronation, when a coronation of a modern, uh, if you even watched like an old video of Queen Elizabeth being the coronation, mm-hmm. a person takes on the office of queen as a living symbol of her people and their identity. And Frigg, when she became queen, she was actually sort of transformed in one sense from Fjordjens maid and Odin's partner into being the queen of Asgard. Her identity had to take on an own, another dimension, a new dimension. And, you know, she is today, if you don't like the word queen, she's the CEO delegating specific functions <laughs> to her, her, her board of, of um, incredible goddesses, 12 of them. And I think what she makes us think about when we think about Queen today, um, that I'm not sure that people really think about her in this aspect, is she can help us here because the woman has to take on the role of a public office. And that is very different from the private individual. And almost all of us have jobs outside of our homes. Or even if we're, we're to have home offices, we're, we have to be someone different when we are or, or a different aspect of ourselves. And so I feel that in this aspect, we can call upon Frigg to help us balance our public and private lives. I, I can't ignore her queenship and invoke her powers as a heathen godwoman. Um, what she bestows on us when we invoke those powers ha- help me to know help me to know how to separate my individual and personal life. Help me to know what aspects of myself I carry forward into that, how they strengthen one or the other part of my life. What do I have to let go of when I enter the public sphere that I don't have, that I can, and what do I release when I enter the private sphere? So I feel like that, in that way, as the queen, in queenship, she really gives us a good sense of also in our own lives, how we can know ourselves better through our public and private personas. And if we think a second about her in the lore, she sits on the council of the gods and goddesses. She shares Leechkalf with Odin. She scries from there. She is a strategizer. She's an organizer. She grants audiences. She recognizes excellence. She advises. She awards favors. She appoints and delegates. She's like a big, she's a queen as a CEO. That's why I guess in in Britain, they call it, don't they call it the firm? (laughs) So, I mean, we can call her her thing, the firm, if you want. Um, And she's a royal patroness to those who follow her path. So I think on 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 a micro scale, we can see ourselves doing many of those things. We have to strategize. We have to organize. We have to delegate. And we can ask for her help when we're taking on a role or a responsibility. I think that's that's a different way of looking at her as queen that mm-hmm. I think is really helpful anyhow. Um, I think one of the ways that we may not think of her as much uh, because Freya usually gets it or there's other, even Hengload and a couple of other, other people, but Frigg is a magic worker as a seer and a spinner of weird. Now, obviously, the spinning of weird, we all know the Frigodok is, uh, you know, Orion's belt, and we get that. But she is a seeress. Uh, in Voluspa, we know the vulva says, you know, that she she sees far. The, the vulva does say, Freak sees far, but I see farther, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is an interesting statement, which mm-hmm. we can talk about later if we have time. But, you know, she... Let's think a little bit about her as a, a, a seeress. You know, she's a seeress who doesn't usually reveal what she knows. Hmm. 
well, that's, hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, sort of Cassandra-esque, except Cassandra said it and no one believed her. Now, why would she do that? Well, my theory is that Frigg sees many, many outcomes, uh, many, many different ways things can go. And I think that she makes a choice that if she reveals too much or not enough, actually things could go quite wrong because she sees all the possible outcomes for humanity. And therefore, I, I think that makes her reticent um, in some ways. But her her wisdom and forethought, as I said, make her make her want to let us choose mm-hmm. the revelation of outcomes might make matters more difficult for us you know it's like the oedipus thing like he told them certain things and then he went and did things and it only made things worse and i think that can be true um for her as well and the other thing we don't freak of course is 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 connected to the norns through childbirth magic and and uh, the Deseer is a weaver and spinner and patroness of weavers and you know spinners whether it's Gudrun in the sagas or 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 it's Frigg, uh, they're associated with destiny. They can curse, they can bless, as she does with Baldur. She tries to bend weird. She tries to bend it, and and sadly and tragically, and we learn a lesson from this. She can't. In this case, it was too big a thing. Even a goddess couldn't change this. Mm-hmm. But she had to try. And that says a lot about, that's a lesson for us to learn, that sometimes we just have to keep going because in what she does, again, there's a queen's, queenship aspect of what she does because she has them swear oaths. Everything has to swear an oath. And that magical, that magic of moving and making them making the whole world swear oaths then brings in, of course, Var, who is the goddess who hears oaths and registers oaths and punishes you if you mess them up. So there's that side of her and, and that whole aspect of weird and what we speak in an oath goes into the well of weird and the deeds that we do or don't do are recorded. And that's part of the magic of what she does. So that's part of it. And, and you know, I like to think of her spinning um, the spun wool, um, which is wool through her fingers that's sort of, that's what is becoming. And the wool that is unwoven, it will be, and of course, the, the, the wool that is finished is that which is, which is the past. So there is that whole connection to weird, which is in a big way. And of course, she shapeshifts. That's another thing she does. She has a falcon cloak like Freya. She also shapeshifts into a fisherman's wife in Grimness Mall um, when, when she and Odin are, are contending um, for Gyrod and Agnar. So, you know, she, she has that ability and she's a scryer. She scries from fleet shelf. She looks at the world and is looking and looking at all that stuff that's going on. What else can I say about that whole situation? For one thing, I think her designated Cirrus is obviously going to be Vor, who, who is, is the, I don't like to, I hesitate to use the word handmaid in this day and age. So we can use it or not. Uh, okay. Handmaiden, the term, uh, you know, how was it used originally and, mm-hmm. or what, what is that derived from? And then we have a, we talked about this on the phone uh, before the, the mm-hmm. show and, you know, it kind of has a negative connotation, like a servant or someone who is not quite an equal. Is that a fair interpretation of what possibly well, that, modern is today? Absolutely. And I think also because of Christianity, um, the handmaid of the Lord and all that stuff, that sense of, but in terms of, of royalty, in terms of, of the, and, and again, you know, I'd have to go back to the old Norse and have someone look at 
that word and see what the actual, I see handmade used a lot, but I don't, since I don't, I'm, I'm not fluent in old words. I'm, <laughs> I'm dependent upon the translations. And I mean, I wonder would the word have been handmade or would it have been something like helper or lady in waiting? Because in terms of royalty, to be the handmaid or the or the lady in waiting, which is another sort of seems subservient term, um, was a great honor. To serve the queen was a huge honor. And I think that was the way it was used originally. And and if it was a medieval um, you know, being written down, that might have been a term that was meant as an honorific back then. I don't think it was meant to be like, um, you, you know, like the Handmaid's Tale type deal at all. Right. I don't think that's what it was coming from. These are powerful, powerful goddesses. Um, we'll talk about that a little later, but all of these goddesses are powerful, powerful goddesses who are very present for us. So definitely, um, uh, I don't know that they're offended by our use of the word handmade as long as it's used with what we mean. But I would say you could call them um, the board of directors, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're the cabinet, they're her cabinet and they each have their sphere of influence and they're, they're um, that's all part of it. So. Um, and another thing to think about that is even in the position with the queen, she just doesn't let anybody in there. This is a very trusted person because this is a this is someone, especially when you're um, attending to a queen, you know all of their secrets. You know who oh, goes yeah. in and out of that room. You know what they talk about. Uh, you all. So I, I would also think that the this cabinet of goddesses would be very very trusted to Frigg. Otherwise, oh, she wouldn't bring them into her inner circle. Absolutely, and uh, I don't know if you want me to bring up any of the goddesses now, but since you brought up fully trusted, do you want me to bring up Fula? Yeah, <laughs> let's let's talk about them. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the goddesses a let's little talk bit. About um, these wonderful goddesses. That <laughs> absolutely. I'd like to talk about the goddesses in a couple different ways. First of all, we can learn a lot about Frigg and her powers by looking at the goddesses and their spheres of influence. Because what they're doing is they're um, they're ramping up. They're putting a spotlight. They're her designated hard, heavy hitters mm-hmm. for these things. So let's talk a little bit. Let's go straight to what they, who they are, if you don't mind. Um, so some people see the goddesses as hypostases, which would be real distinct beings who emanate from Frigg's essence. Or you can see them as totally separate goddesses. Whichever way you see them, they are absolutely member of Frigg's team. They're all Frith weavers in one way or another. They're all doing her work in the world and in many realms, and they are doing it right now right this minute, even as we speak. So let's talk about Fula, because she's one that um, I think a lot of people don't really know a whole lot about. Mm -hmm. So Fula is the keeper of Frigg's treasures and secrets, and they'll they'll say the term women's mysteries. I'm going to put a little caveat in here now. We talk about goddesses, and we this is there's one level. Everyone's got feminine and masculine and everything in between energy. And I could go all gender queer in this, but and and I would be perfectly happy doing that because I have a great yearning to do that but they are presenting to us in this fashion for now and so i excuse me when i use the 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 feminine pronouns um for them but it's just the way it's presenting so um i would be quite happy to do a gender queer version of this at some point 
But at any rate, so Fula is the keeper of Freak's treasures, secrets, and usually feminine mysteries. She, she can see that she's called sister, Frigg's sister, and fellow healer in the second Merceburg charm when they, they heal Baldur's horse's leg. There is incredible, they are the, the, the epitome of a frithful relationship is the relationship that exists between Fula and Frigg. There is great love and trust. There's perfect frithfulness in a way. It's, it's so total. She sends when she's contending with Odin in um, Grimnismal, and you know they've got they've got the foster children, and and she sends Fula down to sort of hoodwink the king, and and Odin's a sorcerer, and you'll know this because the dogs are barking. She trusts her so totally <laughs> to hoodwink her, the king, and her own husband. You know, it, there has to be tremendous trust there, tremendous. And there's always something in our lives to treasure. And she's the keeper of Freak's treasure. And I think that the message that Fula gives us in this day and age is there's always something in our lives to treasure and something for which we can be grateful and that we have to be good custodians of what we receive. Even in the darkest of times, even this past year had plenty of dark times for everyone. And I think she is a goddess who really likes a gratitude attitude. Now, that's not always easy. And it's very hard sometimes to even scrounge for one thing to be grateful for, particularly if you're experiencing real clinical depression. And that's a whole other thing. But even there, she can support you. She can find something. She will help you find something, something to cling to, some rock, some small pebble, something. There's always something in our lives to treasure, something for which we can be grateful. Breath, even if it's breath. And I want to talk a little bit about her name because, you know, uh, her name can be translated as full, which is cup. And we, we, we use that term in, in bloats often. It's a term mm -hmm. for a, a bloat ritual cup. And think of the full cup. She is filled and filling us. And she's connected to Frigg's jewels. And that means she's also connected to the wealth of blessings that she, the goddess Frigg, dispenses and is helping to dispense them. So we can actually call upon Fula to, to help us be open to the blessings and name blessings. Now, the times that I've um, aspected her or felt about Fula, she's cheerful, she's brisk, she's observant. She's a really amazing goddess. Her symbols are easy. There's a gold headband and a jewelry box. And if you're into runes, the runes I would think of would be Wunyo, which is about joy, Fehu, for prosperity, Berkano, which is the great goddess rune of protection, and certainly Gebo, the rune of, uh, for gifts, a gift mm -hmm. for a gift. So there's a goddess who you can definitely ask help from and, and ask that you help to find and guard your own treasures and, and locate them. So she would be a good one. Mm-hmm. But you said that, that the goddesses of the board of directors, the cabinet, you said they kind of had different areas. Do you mm -hmm. find that they're like, you know, like three or four of them kind of are in this, like we have uh, Os, uh, mm -hmm. or we have Var and, who, and Lofen, who, or is Lofen and over kind of Os, you know what I mean? So I'm just, I'm just kind of pulling things as to how would yeah. you kind of see how they kind of fit into that? Oh no, yeah, absolutely. And there's some that we don't think of. Um, let me let me actually go. Um, let's talk about um, one that we we also um, sometimes don't realize another aspect of her character. Um, and and a lot of people call on scene. She guard. She's the guardian of doors. She's the keeper of boundaries. 
uh, I call her the defense. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's the defense. And um, what people don't often realize about her, about seeing, I see her, and this is in the lore, her name means refusal or denial. And Snorri says she guards the doors of Frigg's Hall and bars the uninvited. <laughs> but it's not just Frigg's Hall. Because Freak has a very keen interest in justice, and this is actually in the lore. She's connected to legal justice, and Freak appointed her to defend cases she wants to see refuted in court, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. So like Tyr, if you're going to take another equivalent, and, and, and we can go, of course, to Var, um, who's definitely about oaths and justice as well, Seen is also part of that. That So it's not just physical guarding and defense, it's also legal. And that's a side of her we don't often see. And boy, can we use that today. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in a situation where you need legal justice, you call upon Freeg and call upon Seen to help defend the case. She gives us the willpower to say no when our physical or emotional or psychic boundaries are under attack. She is powerful. I always call upon her before I go to bed, to as well as Freak, to guard my dream time, to That's keep true. out astral psychic attack. She is very much today a, a patroness of the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. Very, very much so. No, no more. She's a guardian of all boundaries. And if you need warding, call upon her. And if you need legal defense, call upon Freeg and Seen to help you get the justice that you require. Now, remember that if you don't deserve the justice, that may not be such what you should maybe think again about doing this. That's because right. you will get the justice you require. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm working with Forsetti as well on those aspects. Yes. Of things. So that's a powerful team for sure. Oh, yeah. There's Forsetti as well. So, th- so, so there. And so there is um, the three at least, um, that you can work with. All powerful, all doing slightly different things to forward your your situation if 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 it is um a good one. Yep. So if you need her symbols are the sword and the birch broom. And again, you can think of the birch broom also as warding. If I'm cleaning my house, it can be a regular broom. You honestly don't need to have a designated broom in a pinch. You know, I I it's a symbol. It, it might have a little more energy, but if you're sweeping and open your windows, it's helping to sweep all that stuff out. And that's what the birch broom is about. And birch has strong healing, warding, protection properties. And that's why you get a little more energy out of that. Her runes to me are probably Elhaj for warding, Isa for solidity. Nothing moves until the ice melts. Mm-hmm. If she's putting up a boundary, nothing's moving till we take it down. So that's an interesting, you know, I just think a lot of people don't know about the legal aspect to her advocacy. I, I think it's Yeah, I never really considered that aspect of it. That's great to be able to uncover some of these layers like that. So that's a really interesting thing. And you know, within the last year and a half with the pandemic and COVID-19, air of course has been really oh, yes. brought forward, called upon. Yes. Recently so for the last year. So we can really be grateful for her 
powers as well and Sintgut and all of the other helpers that she's had around the world. Absolutely. And and Air is the best of doctors and and you know we know we need not say a whole lot about her um except her name is a cognate of the old Norse word for help or mercy and you know we all know Leifjeborg is the, the the healing mountain and I would just say her runes because I think everyone's called upon Air. I know I've done Air bloats. I'm sure a lot of other people have just mm-hmm. done bloats or called to her. And her symbol, her runes are Berkano, obviously, for protection and healing, Lagus for cleansing and healing, Manas for healthy connections, and to me, Urus for primal life force. Those would be her runes. And the symbol's obviously a mortar and pestle. Uh, if you want to do a modern one, you could do a doctor's coat or a stethoscope or some <laughs> other form. And there's nothing wrong with picking a modern symbol if that's, re- that's what brings her into focus for you and gets you on her radio frequency. I always think of, you want to get to her radio, to the frequency of where these goddesses are by evoking the symbols and the runes and the images that are connected to them that helps us get there. And I appreciate you mentioning that because I think it's really important that we use what we can connect with and modern symbolism is part of that because at one time, the, the symbols that we now look at from years past, you know, decades and centuries past, they were just the modern symbols. That's what they had. So modern symbolism is always the right thing to use. I'm a real big one. And I can tell you, Freak's a real big one. Um, And I think a lot of the gods and goddesses are. They are are very adaptive to the time so that they can speak to us in terms that we can understand. And we can only get so much in our little monkey brains, Um, (laughs) you know, in, in in our little monkey brains of that huge energy but what we can get they want to so we want to use and they want to use the appropriate symbols because if i'm aspecting a goddess she's only got my vocabulary to use to talk to us and the more she understands and the more i understand about how to connect to her the better off we both are Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of getting a message across i'd like to talk about snotra for a second because that's another one a lot of people don't really think about Uh so snotra often mispronounced as Snotra. <laughs> Snotra meant in Old Norse, the clever one. Okay, so first of all, that's really important. She's important. She's so important. She presides over the varying rules that govern good behavior within social groups and societies. Can we exist without knowing those things? If you cross your if you're in a in a in a group of um, people in the Middle East who who are um, Muslims and you cross your foot and you show the bottom of your shoe, you created a grave offense. If you um, you know you need to know the rules to make that oil society that make you respectful of other people's beliefs. Everyone needs to do that mm-hmm. um, with, in right goodwill and frith. So she's an important ambassador of frith because. We're not just talking about old-fashioned social codes and status, and that was what would have been one of her roles, certainly back in the day, because that was how the structure of society was set up. But today, let's think about Snotra and call upon her to treat people with consideration and respect. She is called by Snorri wise and courtly, and I think that's 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 a little old-fashioned, but what it really means is she's respectful and compassionate and open to learning 
and understanding customs and etiquette that can make the difference between causing an insult and creating a frithful relationship. And as heathens, and as any any denomination, we need to be very respectful and open of other traditions. We need to know how to create bridges, not burn bridges. Right, yeah. <laughs> and so, particularly in the incendiary world we're living in, we need to, to be able to create functional relationships that work. And one thing that in this day and age um, that she can really help us with as we grow our inclusive heathen community is to help us adapt heathen ways and customs to our time and to create new customs that are respectful of the lore and the old gods, but also are part of the way that we now live. That's what heathens, you know, in the middle, they were doing what worked in Iceland, in Norway, wherever they were. That is how customs became customs. So I think it's she's very important for today's world and a very important powerful goddess to call upon when you go into even a meeting or you're, let's say, talking to people from a different um, a different part of the world or whatever. So that you know, help me to understand the customs, help me to study what I need to know, help me to speak, to know the words to say that are the correct words to create frith, because that should always be something we're striving for if we're truly inclusive. And her symbol uh, in the, the old world was the linen handkerchief. I would be really delighted if uh, people would shoot me emails or, or, message or message you, John, and say, well, what would be a symbol today for Snowtra that you think would be a good symbol to have fixed in your mind to call upon her? In terms of that, you know, Robert's Rules of Orders, I don't know. But um, it's something you could hold in your mind as a symbol, a modern symbol for her. But her runes haven't changed. I still see them as Fehu for prosperity, Wunyo for joy. I I think Ehwaz for teamwork. And Manaz, certainly for the connection. And Othala for group order and heritage. I still see those as important. So, yeah, she's one you don't think of very often. And there she is. ready to help. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, I think, you know, this really would tie into Frigg as the Frith Weaver as well, mm-hmm. uh, bringing respect and, and creating community and all of that aspect. And, you know, um, it just made me remember that you wrote a poem about Frith Weaver, and I think this would be a great place. Would you mind reading that little poem from your book? Oh, sure. I'd be happy to, John. Hail to you, Frigg, key keeper, frith weaver. May I greet this day with gratitude. May I be a frith worker and weaver. May I be compassionate to those who cross my path and find a kind work, act, or gesture to offer them. May I know joy and find joy. May the energies of Wunyo and Manas flow through me. Yeah, and we could also give that with Snotra. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's where you see the connection, John, between how she, with the capital S, how Frigg designates. These are all parts of her purview. And she designates because she's a smart CEO. It's not that she doesn't do these things, but these on her board of directors, her cabinet are out there. These ladies are out there, these goddesses to, to um, you know, boost the signal and, and, in fact, call upon them, absolutely call upon them. And when we think about Frigg as the Frith Weaver, I mean, she's the ultimate. She's, she's uh, I use the term like a murmuration of starlings as the dynamic interaction of Frith. It, it, you know, it, it, the group is, is, is moving and uh, 
adapting to the situations around it, protecting each other, um, learning from each other. And um, she's part of that whole thing. That's a very important part of what she does, for sure. And Frithful Relationships um, are the center of what Frigg does across all spheres, because they provide needed information and support and protection when troubles arrive and a way to work through disagreements and work and play and worship together with goodwill. There's not an English equivalent, unfortunately, for Frith. Peace doesn't do it. Harmony doesn't do it. Concord doesn't do it. None of those words do it, but they're part of the equation. There's that give and take. It's perfectly fine to have an argument within a frith, in a frithful relationship, but it's respectful and it's not denigrating. We, we as heathens love to argue. <laughs> we love to have it out, but the way to have it is, is respectfully and, and with great listening skills. And she'll lend her energies to building and maintaining those frithful relationships. And I think especially to building and maintaining inclusive, productive, well-organized heathen communities. And that could start with a grain, a seed. You know, heathen communities take a long time to build. And they might start with a thought and an invitation and a study group. And Frigg is very patient. And she, she is very, she will encourage perseverance and frith. And, you know, part of our job is not only to build frithful connections with uh the heathen communities and and kindreds and is to build frithful connections with our solitaries who are out there and also other frith other other faith communities like i said that's that's all like i said the realm of snotra and the realm of frigga are are just snotra just amplifies her roles uh frigg's frigg's role as a frith weaver yeah that's really cool and I would like to just talk about one more, Lofen, the, the goddess that we go to uh, for what's generally considered forbidden love, which is L- queer and LGBT um, relationships, uh, getting more open now, which is wonderful. But um, Lofen um, is really a, a great person to go to when we when we want to talk about or when we want to work within our relationships, I think, to when we come together and we're, we're getting married or we're, we're just really part, figuring out who our partners are. Yes, absolutely, John. And, and you know, her name, Lof, the word Lof, Lof, FBVs, uh, means permission. And she was called the comforter. And when we think about, uh, you know, there's a lot of countries in the world where people can be put to death still and imprisoned Mm -hmm. because they don't love in the conventional way. And that she's very, very important. Um, and I want to say that even even in the lore, she, she it's uh, it's Gilfa getting I think thirty five. It says she has permission from Odin and Frigg to arrange unions, even when banned. She's a very important goddess to call upon. So she is the patroness for LGBTQIA plus and all who face harassment and censure um, due to sexual, race, age, religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also another aspect of this, and it's it's sort of um, not as not as intense and immediate as those particular things. But there's also things like people who can't, and there are places in the world where this is, and even in our country, finances. They're forbidden because of finances, or they can't figure a way to get to do this because of finances, or distance, or health. You know. When someone's sick, that can sometimes be a deterrent on the part of one person because they don't want to be a burden. Mm-hmm. 
And Lovin is one of those goddesses who you can turn to and say, help me make this work because our love supersedes these things. F- help us find a way. And as I said, um, actually, as our friend Becky Sheehan had said, true self-acceptance and love is sort of a forbidden thing in our society. So that too is is something she can definitely help with. It's really neat how all of the cabinet work together mm-hmm. in so many different ways. You you think, oh, I, I need something for this, so I'll go to this goddess. Or, But really, it bleeds over or it goes over into other aspects of things that other go- the other ones can help us with that we might not have think of, think about right away. You know, it's just like, oh, I'm, I'm so tunnel vision and focused on this. But then when I start, when we start getting into working with, say, um, Helen or, uh, you know, for something and then it's like, oh, you know what? Uh, maybe I really should be going to Shofen for something yeah. to help me rearrange this or get out of, or get to be able to speak the words properly so that, uh, you know, you know what I mean? So it's really cool how they interweave together. Absolutely. And and you can always go to the goddess you feel, um, or the God, who you feel most attached to and say, give me, give me knowledge of who else I should speak to. Mm-hmm. Who else should I call in to help with whatever the situation is? Because definitely, you know, Lena, I see her as the offense. She's, she's, she's the one who's going to create a refuge for you. And, and she works with Sin. You know, they, they work together. They're a team. But, but a part of that team could be any of the other goddesses as well as Frigg. And as well as other goddesses. I mean, it's not like an exclusive. It is sort of an exclusive (laughs) club. Like I've said, it's sort of like 13. It's like a a heathen coven (laughs) from the magical perspective. But uh, they work together. They're in sync. And, and, you know, another one people, if I have a second, uh, that is a great one to call on that people don't think of is now or now, whichever way you want to say it. She's Freak's messenger. And remember, she exists outside of our point in time. She she is um, a handy companion for meditation and trance work. And she gives us a boost in communicating with Freak and other gods and goddesses. So you might want to consider now and say, hey, you know, hail now. Um, help me get a message to whoever needs to hear this because this is my situation. And she, according to Snorri, Frigg sends her on errands to different worlds. There's nowhere she can't go in space-time um, across dimensions or whatever else. She soars above restrictions of space and time. And so if you want to get above limitations, you definitely would call, I would definitely call on her. Mm-hmm. And, and again, like I said, if you want help with who's on my team, call her in to help get messages to whoever needs to be um, contacted. Well, we're going to move on not that we don't want to talk about all of these other yeah, all the cool ladies <laughs> yeah maybe maybe uh maybe we can do just a a cabinet a cabinet cast we'll yeah all of them <laughs> at some point that would be really cool but you really go into a, a lot of really great depth and detail and some really cool stuff with each one of them in your book and uh, i don't know if i even reckon read the name of your book circle of frith a devotion to frig and her handmaidens and it is available now from uh, the Troth Pro- Publications on Lulu.com and also on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, little plug there. But you go through so many cool stuff. And I think, I, I'm not saying that I've read every single book that talks about the Handmaidens or the Cabinet, but I really think that you really have given so much more than I've read 
uh, a lot of times it's just a paragraph or two about each one and it doesn't really go into where we can reference them or you give some you give the uh, symbols and runes that that are meaningful to you about them and you've written uh, poems or songs for them also this is really you really go into some really uh, depth there that i found very very helpful to help me be able to connect more to this group of goddesses than I have ever before. And I, and I thank you for that. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted. I hope it, I hope people who get the book will really feel a deeper connection to Frigg and, and to um, her team because they are um, amazing um, powers and supports for us in this day and age. This book is really great. It's it's 130 pages, and you have a really large section for poems and songs, as well as ritual for different occasions. I'm really amazed at how much you put into that, Mora, because uh, I try to write poems, and, and even for the gods and goddesses, and man, it, I'm just not a poet. <laughs> and I really appreciate all of these. Did, did they come to you for the book, or are these things that you've developed over the years, or did Tell me about how this came about, because this is really yeah. beautiful stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, you know, definitely some of the rituals were were definitely things. <laughs> None of those rituals I wrote for the book. Most of them were rituals that I had done in advance or, you know, in the case of the ritual um, that my friend wrote for my healing after I had my mastectomies. These were rituals that, that have been tested and proven and work <laughs> um, that, that uh, we've done many times over the years. Um, meditations that I know are effective. I would never like use my, use my readership as guinea pigs for those. However, the poetry, it's interesting. Yeah. Cause that could, that could turn out really badly. That, right. that might not be a good thing, um, but they're all tested. I mean, every single one I promise has been like a, might be that way <laughs> for those. Yeah. I don't want anyone to like blow up or no. anything on, on an astral level or any other level, but, um, as far as the poetry, other than the song, um, which which uh, basically sparked all this, all of this came to me, and this is where I feel Frigg was so strongly, and maybe a little bit of um, the old man as well, um, tapped. I felt I felt I was channeling a lot of this. It just came and came and came out of me, and it just it was just like, what do I need here? And they would come. Not that I didn't tweak them, because of course I did. Mm -hmm. But I mean, they would just come out, and like there were ones where we we where I had one where Frigg is speaking to Odin, and it's just I felt like almost she was sort of telling me how she wanted it phrased. So yeah, I felt it was like a, a watershed. And you know, if you told me right the second write any of those, I I would be overwhelmed. But at that time, I really felt I had, I I was just it was like water flowing into me. It was just there. That's amazing. And there's there's so many of them, and they're really great. So thank you. So tell, tell us about how this book came about. It's not easy to think about, oh, I think I'll write a devotional to a god or a goddess, or I, I'm going to write a book just period. And here you're a writer already of, of novels. So why did you decide that a book for Frigg was needed? And how did, how did that process come about? And you mentioned a song that inspired you. 
and what is that song and tell us the story that connects that because you've given us permission to play it at the end mm-hmm. and uh, that'll be great well probably the song was part of the path that led to the book I, as I said Freak works quietly she's not allowed at least for me and for most of the people I know who work with her she's not loud and flashy but she is determined and focused. Mm. And um, the song came, um, we were for the Assembly of the Sacred Wheel. There's several beautiful um, chant um, CDs and recordings out there. We were doing this one for the New Alexandrian Library, which is a compilation for all pagans, neo-pagans and people out there of all sorts of material open to all the community, internationally, nationally. And so the chant CD was there for that. And I, I had written another song for that on the goddess Brigid. And then um, because I, I am a Northern tradition heathen, I was like, oh, well, I, I, I'm going to be doing a bloat to Freak. I might as well, you know, come up with a song. And the song came up and I, I started uh, looking up praise names. And then I'm like, well, they don't really, <laughs> some of them are great. And then there's not enough. So I really sort of reached out and said, give me what I need. Let me, let me study the lore again. Let me study my UPG. What names should I be putting for you? And those names came to me. And uh, it was an invocation to her and asking her to come from all of the realms or the places I felt I felt her the most as emanations. All the places I can call her, whether it was the hearth or my heart or the high, you know, the high seat, wherever it was. And when I wrote, eventually, when I got to the point where I was going to write this, um, I, I had, I had finished the, uh, <laughs> I, I, I gotten ordained, <laughs> Whew, mm-hmm. got that bit out of the way. Um, I, I uh, was two years into the done the lore program two years, and um, I, I really wasn't thinking of doing this at this point, but it was that way she works. It's like, well, you know, you can do this. There isn't really that much out there, and I sort of thought, well, okay, I'm a God's person now. It is maybe part of my ministry to do this. I'm a Frigg's woman. So <laughs> it's definitely part of my devotion to write this. And so I, I, I started it not realizing <laughs> how much work it was going to be. Um, you know, thank goodness for Ben uh, Wagoner. He's amazing. Um, and, and, you know, Diana Pax and a lot of other people who were incredibly encouraging as I worked my way through this process. Um, but it felt very organic at the time I did it. It was not a burden. It felt like a joy. I was sort of on fire about it. And it took a long time to write. And I mean, it took over a year to really get it together. And, you know, and then to go through the publishing process took even longer. Mm-hmm. But it was so worth it. Um, I feel like through this book, I got to know Frigg and her ladies much better. And I developed a much closer relationship with them. And now, obviously, <laughs> I get to talk about them, which is what the whole reason is people will read and hopefully um, use the meditations and some of the rituals and build their own relationships or strengthen the ones they have. I don't see how they couldn't with all the stuff that you provided in here. It's amazing. And my only regret is that I don't have a hard copy of it yet. I only have as an EPUB (laughs) and I'm going to get it as a hard copy because it's something that I want to be able to open and flip to back and forth and have on my table. And Well, thanks. I hope it serves you well. Well, Maura, thank you so much for joining us and the talk about Frigg and the cabinet and uh, the book. What are some other things that you're going to be working on in the future? Is this it for book writing for a little bit? Uh, I, or I, I, what's your next project if, if she's already got you on one? 
Um, I do have a project. Um, I've got a couple. Um, well, I'm going to be a grandmom in August, but it's going to be my first grandbaby. So we're pretty excited. It's going to, it's a, a, she's a little girl. And um, I have a book. I've written a book called Solstice Sun, Solstice Moon, which was about the winter solstice. And I wrote one for the summer solstice called Solstice Moonflower, Solstice Sunflower. And I'm hoping my daughter-in-law, who's an artist, um, is who did the cover of Circle of Frith is going to illustrate it. Um, so that that's a project that's in the works. I've already got the prose part written. I just need the artist. That's the big part of a children's book is the art. So um, and then I have one I'm trying to do as a devotional, which is for expectant and pregnant people. And I am calling it tentatively labor of love, um, which will be a devotional of sorts and, and, and sort of practical and devotional at the same time in meditations along those lines, which is right up Frigg's alley. It's part of uh, her team and part of my work as a doula. So hopefully that will come off in the next year or two. Great. Well, I will have links in the show notes and uh, also how to how people can Get a hold of Circle of Frith, devotional to Frigg and her handmaidens. So as our outgoing song, I'm going to play Frigga Invocation from the album Dreams Sung True of the Assembly of the Sacred Will by Maura Durko. Thank you again for joining. Thank you, John. Thank you for listening. Please have a look at the show notes for links and, well, notes. Podcast is available from Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and other podcast catchers. Please follow me on Instagram and Twitter at, at @weirdgifts1 and on Facebook at, at @giftsoftheweird and email me at giftsoftheweird.com. Thanks and have a great day. We call to you from the mark.